You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Come on, every New Spring campus. Would you join me on your feet right now? Would you just join me? Let's give God a round of applause for His faithfulness. Every New Spring campus, come on, y'all. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, the depths of the wisdom and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his past beyond tracing out. Who's ever known the mind of the Lord? Who's ever been his counselor? Who's ever given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever, forever. What can we give back to God for all of his goodness to us? We just lift up the cup of salvation and we call on the name of the Lord. God, do it again. You have worked a miracle for us, God. This is a small light thing for you. But you have changed us. This is such a big deal for us, God. You promised us seven years ago that we would be completely debt free. Out from under the weight of $45 million worth of debt. And today... You did it in six years, one month, and 15 days. Glory to you, God. We praise you. We praise you. Wow. What is next? Come, Holy Spirit. We honor you, King Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody, I want you to stay standing for just a moment because I need to tell you a couple of things. In that video that you saw, that kid who's strumming the acoustic guitar that had hair, and that was me as 22-year-old Lee McDermott playing guitar as a worship leader 22 years ago. And that verse that was at the end of that video says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Let me just tell you something. 22-year-old Lee had no idea. No idea. No idea of the massive mountains of just wild miracles that God would do. No idea about the depth of difficulty that we would go through. No idea, though, about this friend, Jesus, this God, who would walk with us this whole way and make good on his word, where he says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. My brothers and sisters at every campus, he's doing it. And I just want to say, if this is your first Sunday at New Spring and you've never been here before, wow, you picked a really good one. <laughs> this is amazing. I just want to tell you, I've been here since the beginning. I have never been more excited, more filled with expectation about the miracles in the days ahead. This is the ground floor. We are just getting started. We are just getting started. Come on, y'all. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can have a seat at every campus. 
Before we dive into the final installment of our Beyond the Sun series, study, our study through Ecclesiastes today, I want to give you one more word of encouragement to set the lens for where our church is right now. So I was having this discussion with my brother John, uh, who is our prophetic ministry director a couple of weeks ago, as he was praying about, uh, back in December, about the transition between 2022 into 2023, God gave him some insight. Uh, This actually was during 21 days of prayer and fasting. This wasn't in December. This was in 21 days of prayer and fasting that we do every January. God gave him some insight of what he, he felt like where our church was right now, this sort of, this moment in our church's history. And God began to highlight Genesis 7, 8, and 9 for him. This doesn't have as much to do with what we're gonna talk about in Ecclesiastes here, but I need to tell you this because it's a pivotal moment for our church today. So in Genesis 7, this is the story of the flood, how Noah and his family, they were in the midst of chaos and the reshaping of the world. And what we have felt like is like, that's kind of been the tail of the tape for not just our church, but for the entire world over the last handful of years. Am I right? I mean, pandemic, everything else like that, the whole landscape's changed. Everything has been a little bit crazy. But now we feel like there's a shift. There's a transition. And I don't know if you feel this, but we have felt a Genesis 9 kind of moment where God says, be fruitful and multiply. Here's a harvest. Like things are coming back. Things are beginning to speed up again. And there's some, we feel this pull of some Holy Spirit momentum. And in Genesis 8, there's a very significant moment that happens. The landscape's remade. We've just gone through all this crazy period. And then the promise of God's fruitfulness and faithfulness is coming in the days ahead. But in this Genesis 8 moment, Noah before he plants a seed, before he takes one step into this good new thing that God has for him, Noah builds an altar. And he stops. And he sets fire to this thing and there is a fragrant offering of worship and gratitude to God. We sang this song earlier, Altars. On the altar of my life, I'm a living sacrifice. I will climb on the altar. All I am, Lord, I surrender. Spirit, set me ablaze. New Spring Church, I just want to be honest with you. We are at the Genesis 8 moment of building an altar. We've come out of one season and we are about to embark on a brand new one with levels of fruitfulness that we have never tasted before. Does anybody else in this house feel that? The days ahead are going to be unlike any we have ever experienced. Welcome. This is the adventure. But right now, before we take one step, it's a time, it's a day, it's a moment of consecration, of rededication, of bringing ourselves back to God in full surrender and saying, Jesus, you're the head of this church. We're going where you're going. Brothers and sisters, I'm so excited. I can't wait to share these days with you. We get to experience all of this together. Isn't this amazing? Praise the Lord. Hey, all right, so that's what I wanted to tell you to get started with. You guys can chew on Genesis 7, 8, 9 and and think about that in the days ahead. But what we're here to do today is to talk about Ecclesiastes. We're here to talk about closing out our series called Beyond the Sun. And uh, we're going to use one verse. We're going to skate to one song and one song only today. And uh, that, that verse is Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. So I know we prayed just a moment ago. I want to give a brief prayer to dedicate myself to this preaching right here and our hearing of the word. Would you join me in prayer? And then we'll dive into this text today. Abba Father, I pray that you would just put your power on the foolishness of this preaching right now. Your word 
is life. And so God, as we prepare to take our first steps into this brand new season, God, would you equip us with this word today? Would it be fuel in our tanks? Would it be a recalibration? Would it be the thing that is setting our course into the days ahead? Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you're taking notes, you can pull out your app that has notes on there. Or if you've got the whole analog situation with your uh, you know, notepad and your, and your Bible, you can bring that out too. We're gonna, I'm going to um, bring this verse forward, verse tw- uh, chapter 12, verse 13, and break it apart in four neat sections. One, two, three, four. So for those of you who like a crisp outline with points, a little numbers on the outside there, like I do, this is going to be a great day for you in your note taking. So that's what we're going to do. This verse basically sums up everything that we have heard up to this point in the book of Ecclesiastes, and here it is. If you're ready, say amen. All right, y'all, here we go. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Uh, At New Spring Church on our staff, we have this uh, thing internally called Google Chat. That's our internal messaging app. We used to use Slack, but now we use Google Chat. Some of you guys work with this in your jobs. And one feature that Google Chat has, if somebody sends you a giant message, a giant text message in Google Chat, there's an AI feature that will boil it all down to one sentence, which I, lo- I really love that. Don't you love that friend who's trying to send you the long text message and explain their heart to you on a text? Like, I'm driving right now. I shouldn't be texting and driving at the same time, but like, seriously. But this, this chat GPT, you know, AI feature, what it does for you is it boils it all down to one sentence. You guys, this verse that we're studying today is the boiled down summary, basically the point of everything that we've been talking about up to this point. So let's get into this. Point number one, if you're taking notes, we'll just take the first section here. The end of the matter. All has been heard. When I read those first two phrases, the end of the matter, all has been heard, I think, well, what's the matter? What's the matter that we've been talking about? And really, the matter that we've been talking about is this idea that life very frequently seems meaningless. Very early on, Pastor Brad introduced us to our uh, household pet and uh, series mascot, Harry the Hamster. Um, Is that what we called him? Hevel, Hevel the hamster. That's right, you guys. Okay, so this is what's wrong. This is the matter. The end of the matter, this is the matter, is that life seems to be in this cycle where so many things seem completely meaningless. Like, what's the point? What's the point? It's the rat race. That's what's the matter. And so what the whole book of Ecclesiastes has been trying to do is just to simply be honest with us about the fruitless and futile pursuits of all of this Hevel. Smoke, chasing after the wind. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Then this next section of that first little bit, what we find is like, you know, the writer of of Ecclesiastes is simply telling us like, look, we've said it all. We've said enough. Everything has been heard. So what have we heard? Up to this point, we've heard that yes, vanity of vanities, all of life is vanity. We've seen the complete fruitfulness of fruitlessness 
the complete vanity in trying to stack up wealth, of trying to chase pleasure, of trying to make yourself smarter or try to like gain an advantage over one person or the other. The other things that we have heard five times in this book is that there's nothing better for a man or woman to do than to enjoy food and drink and enjoy your, your, your work that God has given you and enjoy life with the people that you love. These messages that we have had, they've all pointed to the idea that life is far too mysterious for us to really grasp onto, but that God has has put eternity in our hearts and that we were made for something more. The end of the matter, all has been hurt. At the end of the day, the thing that the writer of Ecclesiastes comes back to are these two simple things that have so much depth and meaning and he boils it all down to this, fear God and keep his commandments. So we're gonna take each one of these in turn. Let's start with fear God. Point number two, fear God. So I want to say at the outset, when you hear, for some of us, if you hear fear God, keep his commandments, if you grew up in a particularly religious or fundamental household or that kind of upbringing, those two things can kind of be a little bit triggering. But I want you to stay with me because I think God's got some really great things he wants to do in, uh, in your heart as you hear about these things. So let's talk about fearing God first. Okay, so when we think about fear, the first thing that comes into my mind is just wanting to admit we all have some irrational fears, right? Does anybody else, anybody who say I have some irrational fears? I have one that I would like to confess uh, to you guys. So, and I discovered, the, I discovered that my irrational fear has a legitimate name associated with it. My irrational fear is a thing called allegrophobia. Does anybody know what that is? Anyone? Okay. So allegrophobia is the fear of being late. That's just me. That's just me. I hate being late. Allegrophobia is the fear of being late. Now, I will tell you, God's gift in my life is that I married a woman who does not share my fear. <laughs> she, she is the most fearless person that you, would ever, that you would ever meet. She's fearless, man. Absolutely fearless. Now, I, I was telling her I was going to like share this with everybody. And I was like, I mean, she's not really a late person. She's just not afraid of being late. Which I, which I think is a real gift for me. But I mean, don't we have irrational fears? Some, I mean, like if you had, uh, if for some of you, if you had to step up here on stage with this microphone and do what I'm doing, you'd be like, no way, man. Mm-mm, fear of public speaking. Well, that's a big deal for some people. There are irrational fears like that. Can I just tell you that the fear of the Lord is not an irrational fear? It is, it is a really mysterious biblical concept. It is not as simple as just being scared or afraid, even though that word is used for being scared or afraid elsewhere in the Old Testament. It's also used for awe and reverence. And, and why? It's because God is holy. This idea that Jonathan Edwards painted the picture here, he says God's holiness is the sum total of all of his perfections. You know, I, when I was growing up, I used to love this mathematical concept of infinity, you know, the sideways eight. And I began to apply that to every aspect of God because the universe is kind of a reflection of his character, right? So when you think about any type of thing that we would associate with God, infinity is attached to the measure of it. So think about his size. He's infinite. Infinity is not a static number. It's not just a number that you can count. It's a concept that says infinity is always expanding. His size is always expanding. His, his power 
is limitless. It knows no boundaries. His purity, his absolute perfection is infinite. And when you see this, in, in this infinite nature, he built us, he made us in the Garden of Eden in this sinless perfection to be able to have relationship with him. But sin destroyed that and put a boundary in between us. And so what God did is he put all of these regulations and permissions, all of these things in place so that he could have friendship and fellowship with us. It was always gonna be pointing to what Jesus would do for us. We think about all the rules and regulations in the Old Testament. The reason why God would do that is because he loves us, but his holiness had to be maintained. So the reason why he would command us to fear him is so that we could have life and interaction and friendship and fellowship with him. You know, when, when you think about what the scriptures say about the fear of the Lord, there's so much there that gives you some, some um, idea of what he's really talking about. I remember uh, several years ago, a buddy of mine uh, who was one of my roommates, a guy named Joshua, he would read Proverbs one every day for whatever day of the month it was because he told me there are 31 chapters in Proverbs and you can just read the one for that particular day. I didn't know that at that particular point. This was when I was in my 20s. And so on day 22 of the month, I you know lean into Proverbs 22 and then at verse four, I mean, it just like bowled me over this verse. It says, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. I was like, wow. Okay, I didn't think about that whenever I thought about the fear of the Lord. So it immediately made me curious and I wanted to go on this journey to discover what is the fear of the Lord as the scriptures tell it. Because if the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life, I think I want that. I think I want the fear of the Lord. Have you guys ever thought about wanting a fear? That just seems very strange. We don't want fear in our lives. But I think we might want this one. This kind of thing, this fear of the Lord, it ends up being the gateway into abundant life for us. Humans were made to flourish in the fear of the Lord. Can I tell you guys a few more verses that will just sort of blow your mind, I think? I mean, we know... Some of you guys may be familiar with the idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or the beginning of knowledge. It says it's the beginning of knowledge in Proverbs chapter 1. In Proverbs chapter 9, it says it's the beginning of wisdom. But it also says in Proverbs chapter 14 that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that keeps us away from the snares of death. Can I tell you this story? I was at a pizza place in Greenville the other week with my kids, a place called D'Alessandro. Shout out to D'Al's Pizza in Greenville. And you can sit outside. There's a place where the kids can play. So I'm watching my kids play and everything. And there's a table, a family with some kids behind me. And like out of nowhere, a little two and a half year old boy just takes off running. And there's a street out there, busy, traffic. And of course he takes off running. Everybody at the table like stops what they're doing and starts yelling his name, Rowan, Rowan! And then here comes dad, gets out of his chair and takes off running. And sure enough, scoops up little buddy right as his foot is on the curb about to step out into the street. He turns around, heads back in. And I mean, you can tell like the dad's face is very, very serious. I look at the man, I'm like, game, recognize game, respect dad. I, I see you, I see you. Every, every dad of a toddler, y'all know what I'm talking about. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to keep you away from the snares of death. 
God in his size and power and wisdom would come along and scoop us up and keep us out of the, of the traffic. The thing that that two and a half year old does not have is a fear of the traffic. The fear of the Lord is a thing that we have to learn. It's a thing we have to choose and God being a loving father would like to give us instruction in it. He would like to share it with us so that we might not only be rescued from death, but we might enjoy fellowship with him. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Psalm 103 says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is a treasure. It's worth being pursued and chosen and desired. The holiness of God is meant for us to be able to marvel in and to worship. And the only way to do that is through the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. Really quickly, we're not, we don't need to overcomplicate this part. The writer of Ecclesiastes, for this point number three, keep his commandments. The writer of Ecclesiastes would have understood this statement, meaning the 10 commandments or the commandments and laws written in the first five books of the Bible, the ten Pentateuch. And all of these, Jesus himself boiled down into two commandments. When he was approached, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus simply says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the summation of all of the commandments of God. Love is the summation, and it has a particular priority and an order to it. One of the things that's, that's, that I really, really love about the, young, the Generation Z right now is their zeal to see the world changed. They're, they're, they're just desire for truth and to see things in the world that are wrong be made right. This is an overflowing aspect of loving other people. The thing where it can sometimes get wrong is if we do the second part of the great commandment more than the first. The way that we, I want you guys to think about it this way. Love for God is this fountain, this fountain that turns into the river of being able to love other people and change the world around you. We must have it in that order. Our love and devotion of God, for God, our fear of the Lord is the thing that must drive the love that we have to see the world changed around us. If we do that, we will always have power for it and to be able to sustain the work of God in us. Keeping the commandments of God is simply loving God and loving other people. Jesus said in John 14, uh, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the most important thing a human being can do in life in order to try to keep the commandments of God is simply cultivate a heart filled with affection for Jesus Christ. Can I just be honest with you? This is one reason why we do communion every single week at church. Because what communion does is it puts you face to face with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, this loving act where God himself would come to you. He would come after you. He would give him his only son on the cross to die for you so that you might have life and friendship with him. Celebrating communion every single week, what it does is it cultivates this affection for God, this love for God, which in turn just results in a life where you keep God's commandments. So the fourth thing, this is the whole duty of man. For this is the whole duty of man. Literally in Hebrew, this means the whole Adam. Kol ha'adam means this is the whole Adam. The word for man there is, is the word Adam. 
When I, when I was studying this and I was thinking about this, I thought, this is the design of the human being from beginning to, from the very beginning. The idea of fearing God and keeping his commandments, this is it. This is what every, every one of us was designed for, but that design was flawed and broken by sin. And so what has God tried to do from the very beginning is to put this system of permissions and restrictions, the, the laws and the, the, the tabernacle worship and the, the temple worship, all of these things were put there so that God might be able to have some interactions with us because the Adam was broken. We were broken. And so what does he have in mind but to one day send his only son to be the whole Adam on our behalf, to come in the fullness of time, born of woman, just like us to live this life, but to do it perfectly because we can't. To go to the cross to pay for our sin because we can't. And then to defeat death in an empty tomb on the third day, rising in newness of life because brothers and sisters, we can't. Every other religion in the world invites you to stack up a life of good works in order to get yourself to heaven, to get yourself to God. Christianity is the one that freely tells you to your face the honest truth. You can't do it. But there is a whole Adam, a man who came, and in the infinite, infinite nature of his wisdom, he saw your face, he knew your name, and it was his joy to do for you what you could not do for yourself. The whole duty of man has never been able to be done by any human being except for one, Jesus Christ. And when we receive him by faith, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we finally have the power to be able to live out this original design that God gave us in the first place. And that friendship can be restored. So what do we do in light of all this? How should we respond to the command to fear God, keep his commandments, knowing this is the whole duty of man? It's simply to come back to a place of surrender and say, God, will you help me? So brothers and sisters, let's do this. Would you stand with me? As we close our time together today, I wanna to invite our ministry team folks to come forward. And I just want to say a word of thanks to everyone who is on our ministry team. For those of you who pray with people and serve communion every single week, it is such a big deal to me, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Y'all come forward. Brothers and sisters, we do these five things every single week. We give an invitation for people to be born again, to make Jesus their Lord and Savior for the very first time. For those of you who need prayer, to come down and pray, to write something on a card, to do that. We wanna invite you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to take communion today and every single week to make it new every single week and to receive that tenderness of heart that comes from, from enjoying the feast that celebrates Christ's sacrifice. We want you to worship, we want you to sing, and we also wanna give you this opportunity to worship God through your tithes and offerings. And I just wanna tell you, referencing that video, our church is now debt-free in no small part because we made a commitment to God to give away the first 10% to be generous and to live with wisdom. I just want you to know, if God can do it for our church, he can do it for your house. He can do it for you.
So brothers and sisters, what I wanna do today is, I do, I wanna invite you, if you've never given your life to Christ, why not today? He did, he did it all for you. And he invites you to come and receive his love and invitation and friendship with God. Total forgiveness. What might it be like for you to wake up tomorrow morning with a clear conscience knowing you are completely forgiven? That's what he offers you today. That's what he offers you today. There's some of you, like, you, you are in need of physical healing. Like, there's something wrong in your body, and the doctors do not know what's going on. And you've tried everything. It's time to try Jesus. And there's somebody here at your campus, wherever you are, you just need to come on out and let one of these folks lay hands on you and pray for you. And perhaps God will grant you physical healing today. This is possible. This is a moment for us in our church to rededicate ourselves to God. So let's do it. Let's pray. Abba, Father, we come to the altar again. 23 years as a church. And I know, God, goodness and mercy are following us every moment of this year. Thank you, Jesus. One final invitation and then I'll close and, and turn it over to someone at your campus. Today, as we find ourselves in that moment of building an altar, like Noah's story before the season of fruitfulness, it is a good and right thing for us to rededicate ourselves to God. And so I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna be doing during this next moment of time. I'm gonna be on my knees saying, God, here I am. I want more. If you have not been living under the fear of the Lord and keeping his commands, I just want to tell you this altar is open and you need to come today and get on your knees in the front here, wherever your campus is. And you need to just make this a moment of consecration and say, God, I'm in. I'm in. If you're, if you're here and you have been walking in the fear of the Lord and you're just like, I want more. I'm hungry for you, God. I want to invite you. This altar is open. Come and get on your knees and receive the spirit of God freshing in today. Holy Spirit, would you come and bless us in this time? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.